This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. He's a former Texan like me, Matthew Gaddy. Welcome to the show. How you doing, Mark? It's great to be here. Well, I'm doing great because about five weeks ago, we had a winter storm here in Texas, and I thought it was cold here. I remember that Monday of that winter storm, it was like 10, 12 degrees, and the wind chill was zero, but you up in Fort Worth got a little bit more colder than that. Yeah, so our wind chill was negative 15, and our high, our actual temperature was around two or three degrees. It was the most ridiculous thing. I don't think I've ever been that cold before with clothes on. It's ridiculous. Now, I, I want people to understand, yeah, uh, we live in the state of Texas, okay? <laughs> we live in the south. It's never supposed to get that cold down here, but I actually walked around my neighborhood, and I got pictures of snow. That's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. We actually, at my parents' house, we had around a foot of snow here. Um, it was the most snow we've ever had in this area. It was ridiculous. Texas is not supposed to be this way, but Texas did redeem itself. And the week after that, it was around 60 degrees and I had shorts on, so it was okay. <laughs> yes, I, I love it. Now, before we get started, uh, you're wearing a Golden State Warriors t-shirt, which I started making fun of you before we started recording because I'm a Houston Rockets fan. And I remember a couple of years ago, we were playing for the Western conference championship or something like that. And we were up three games to two and the Rockets apparently thought they had it in the bag and you guys came back and beat us four games to three. So a little bitter uh, memory there. It, it is a little bitter memory, but we got it back because we were, we were up three, one in the finals and we got beat. So we got it there. Our lick got taken back. So we, we can't complain too much. So we've experienced it too. It's not just you. I felt the pain and the agony of being up and one game away from winning and not. Uh, so you're, you're not alone in that. And Hey, that if, if you take consolation, you feel it makes you feel any better. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, before we get started, I want to put you in the context for our listeners. Um, what do you do? I mean, I know you're a productivity nerd like me, but what do you do? So what I'm doing right now is I help engineers to increase their focus, defeat distractions, and increase their overall productivity so they can make time for the product projects that actually make a difference. I'm really passionate about making sure that as engineers do their work, that they're doing things that are actually going to benefit not just them, but their company, and then ultimately the world around them. And a lot of times we feel that we can't do those projects because we have too many fires to put out. We have to answer emails. We have to go to meetings. We have to go do all the other 90 million things we have to do. So how do we make time and create the structure throughout our day to get to the things that actually make a difference? Because if we don't make time for it, it won't happen. So that's what I'm primarily focused on right now. Now helping engineers to do that so they can you know share the light with the world really benefit and produce something that that really benefits them and the people around them and then like i said before as the world at large so why engineers i mean did you used to be an engineer are you an engineer Yes. So I am a degreed electrical engineer. I have my engineering training license. I stopped before I got my professional engineering license because I transitioned out of that space. I was working as an engineer at the largest utility company here in Texas, Encore Electric Delivery, for about seven years, seven, eight years. Um, 
got to that point, started knowing, started seeing rather a gap in the space where there was a lot of talented engineers. There's a lot of high performing engineers who really did not have time to work on those projects that really would make a difference. Creating those softwares or those trainings or programs that would actually help them to eliminate 80% of their workload. They didn't have time to get to them because I have to answer this email. I have to do this phone call. I have to go to this meeting. I have to do all these other menial things, not menial in saying they're not important, but they do need to come after your priorities rather than those trumping the things that could actually help you move yourself and your career forward. Uh, Once I saw that, I knew that I could serve this. I could help help people to get to this because at the end of the day, your cell phone, all your technology, everything we're talking on right now was, guess what? I'm going to, was made by engineers. So the more time that I can give engineers to go and do these creative projects, the more cool things I get to play with. So I want to make sure that engineers have all the resources that they need to bring these products and these products and these programs and whatever they're working on into fruition so that we can move the entire world forward. Because as technology grows, it's going to be really interesting to see how we utilize the technology with the internet, with blockchain, with everything that's going on, what different products that can benefit everyone can be created, and how can we orchestrate time around creating those things that could be beneficial to us all and make this monumental change that can move us forward. Now, listener, if you're going, wait a minute, I'm not an engineer. If you've ever worked (laughs) in a project, you're going to get tremendous value out of this uh, conversation with Matthew today. So, Matthew, uh, you, you, you glossed over some of the things that engineers and people who do projects are struggling with. But I want you to list, what do you think is the top three distractions? I've got my list of top five. Uh, I always tell people, and and this is in no particular order, by the way, (laughs) it's generally email, social media, and other people. So when it comes to engineers or people working on the projects, what are their top three distractions? So the top three distractions, I'm going to have to mimic yours a little bit. Number one, emails. It's the primary method of communication, um, especially now with a lot of us working from home. Email is a large distraction. Two, I won't say just social media, but your phone in general. So whether you're contacting uh, people who are other stakeholders in that project, if you are talking to your wife, talking to other people who may need to get in contact with you, sending text messages, all things like that. So your phone, and then the very last one being other people. So when we're in offices, uh, we have... We've been told to maintain an open door policy, and we always say that if you have an open door policy, please come talk to me, whatever's going on. Um, just don't worry about what I'm doing. Come in. And what we really don't know is when we have this open door policy, we open ourselves up to these distractions, and you're really inviting these distractions on yourself. So when we have these open door policies, this is my little riff on open door policies. Uh, we have these open door policies. You're actually creating an environment that fosters you to be unproductive and not being able to put your all of your focus in whatever you're working on. You're literally degrading the quality of the work you're able to produce, both in terms of just the quality, like we were talking about, and the speed at which you can produce it when you are opening the door to having all these interruptions that aren't scheduled, that can happen at any time, and you just accept them uh, in a reactive manner. So my top three would be email, phone, and then other people. And that even goes to uh, Zoom meetings and things like that. Those has to do with other people as well. So trying to structure productive meetings rather than I was supposed to be here, so I'm here, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. I'm just in this meeting right now. So those are my top three. Yeah, I love it. And I, I had a client once who, I don't know why the company did that. She was an HR director, and they put her in a fishbowl, which means her office was completely glass. <laughs> 
Now, why would you put an HR director in a fishbowl? I have no, under, uh, no, I, I, I can't even today understand why they did that. But here's what one of the things I helped her with, because there are times when she just needed to work and she didn't need people coming by, even though she had a gatekeeper, you know, they could see her through the, the glass wood, the glass walls. <laughs> and I said, well, here's an idea for you. Why don't you go? sign out the conference room that's not being used. Mm -hmm. Don't put it in your name, put it in your gatekeeper's name or put it in some fictitious name so they don't know you're there. And once she started doing this, she would leave her phone with her gatekeeper. And she was amazingly able to get so much more work done because nobody knew where she was. And I think because if you have an open door policy, like you just so eloquently said, you can't, you're, you're so distracted because people are dropping by. You got a minute, got five minutes. Can I ask you a question? You're not getting things done. But when you go to an area, another conference room, or maybe an office is not being used and only let like one other person know you're in there, you're going to get so much more stuff done. Exactly. And it's really about finding that cycle between availability and unavailability. We really have to look at it in a way that your unavailability supports your availability. What does that mean? When you have times inside of your calendar, in times inside of your workday where you say, I am unavailable for this defined segment of time, from three to five, from nine to 11, do not look for me because I'm hiding, because I'm working. Well, guess what that does? You might not be able to talk to me during that unavailable time, but outside of that uh, unavailable time, I'm even more available. I'm even more present. I'm even more able to engage with you because I'm not trying to talk to you and answer emails at the same time. I'm not trying to talk to you and go to this meeting at the same time. I'm not trying to talk to you and work on whatever project I'm working on at the same time. With that unavailable time, it opens me up to really engage with the person that you're talking with, regardless of what that particular topic is, and allows us to, allows you to show that person that they are significant in what's going on. Because when another way to look at it is if I'm working on something and trying to talk to you at the same time, what I'm subconsciously saying is that you're not as important as whatever I'm working on. Well, if I'm not as important on whatever you're working on, why don't you just work on this, get it done? Then when you can talk to me outside of time where you can fully engage with what's happening, you can give me your full attention. And that also helps you to pay more attention to what's actually being said and also being paying attention to what's not being said, too, because you're not going to get all the context of that language if you're half listening to someone else and you're looking at your computer and you're just listening to them. You're not going to get all the subtle things that comes in conversations that we have when you're distracted and you're trying to do multiple things at once. Hey there, it's Mark, and I want to invite you to become a Mark Stucheski Insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. 100%. One, one of the questions I used to get when I used to speak, remember back in the day, we used to go out and speak and pe- the, right, used to go outside. Um, <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> they say, Mark, what do I do if I'm in a cubicle? I don't have a door and I have a very short, you know, um, wall. And I say, well, get three sheets of paper, go to your kids, go get three sheets of construction paper, red, yellow, and green. And it's going to take some training, your coworkers. So green means you're available. Like you just said, available yellow means I'm kind of busy, but I will willingly talk to you. Proceed precaution. Red means stay away. And I said, you just can't put that paper up because then your coworkers will go, Oh, what's with the construction paper. You have to go through a training process, but it is an easy way. It's a visual way. People walk by your office and they'll see the red, the green or the yellow paper. And you may get other people going, wow, that's a great idea because 
I don't like cubicle farms because you can look over people's walls. You can go to you know next next row over, but it's not really the next row over for you because you don't have to go and walk around. You can just stick your head over there. And they're so distracting. If they're on the phone, if they're talking to someone in their office, very distracting. So if you if you are still working in the environment of the corporate world, I would encourage you to do something like this, the red, yellow, green construction paper, something else you can do, which a, a client told me this, there's actually doors, inflatable doors you can go out and buy, which is kind of weird, but it's the point is these people are trying to put a barrier because you know, most cubicles have no doors, So people just walk right in and you could be in the middle of a project or a task or whatever. And they're just saying, well, they see you. They don't recognize that you're busy. They see you and they just start talking. And meanwhile, as you know, as a fellow productivity expert, once your focus is broken, it's going to take a while to get it back. Exactly, exactly. And that is so crucial because the level of focus that we're able to maintain when whenever we're working on something is directly proportional to like the level of potential we're able to express in it. So a great way to if you're looking at your performance, you say I want to get a better high quality uh, product through my performance. The very first thing I would say is you need to eliminate the distraction that you have when you're working. That's an easy way for you to level up your performance quickly. Um, so that's a great tool to have. When going back to your, your red, yellow, green card, um, card example that you just went over, another thing, two other things you can add to that is making sure that when your card is red, always have on there the next time that you will be available. So you're not telling them, hey, I'm unavailable. Don't talk to me, whatever's going on. They know and they have clarity to know, hey, he's <laughs> unavailable from two to three. So I'll come back at 315 or I'll come back at some time after that. And so we don't always want to say, I can't be reached now. We also want to say, I can't be reached now, but this is when you can reach me. So it's not like we're throwing them to the wolves and just saying, hey, you got to figure it out yourself. It's just a matter of, I need this time in order for me to perform well. And when I perform well, everyone performs well because we're able to meet these deadlines. We're able to perform higher. We're able to get these performance bonuses for our department, all because we have to have this time where this time is designated solely for work. And this time is designated to interact with other people. Also wearing headphones is a great one too. One of uh, my clients brought this up to me. He was always having issues. He used to have the AirPods, the Apple AirPods. And he says, no matter how many times I wear my AirPods, people see I have my headphones on and they continue to talk to me. So I told him, go buy a larger, more bulky, more obnoxious pair of headphones. So people can see, I obviously Uh... cannot hear you because I have these Bose sound canceling headphones on. So if you see these and you see their sound canceling, don't try and talk to me right now because one, I don't, I physically cannot hear you. Bose is saying, no, do not let this voice pattern, this voice signal in. So having those little tips and those little tweaks can really help you to foster a tight bubble of focus, even when you're in a cubicle farm or wherever you might be. If you're working from home and you have children, those are all great ways where you can say, hey, I need to insulate myself from these distractions so that I can execute on my tasks, whatever I'm working on, in a way that allows me to express my peak potential in whatever I'm working on. Tight bubble of focus. That is from the 5 a.m. club with Robin Sharma. As soon as you said that, oh, I yes, go, sir. I know where I yes, heard that sir. from. <laughs> and uh, listener, if you have not read that book, it changed my life. Um, the 5 a.m. club. I became a member of the 5 a.m. club February 4th, 2020, and it has changed my life. Now, Matthew, the next question I want to ask you is about working from home. One of the strong, one of the people struggles that people have to work from home is 
well, they're home and they go out to get something to drink. And we're talking water. We're not talking booze. <laughs> Let's stay appropriate here. And then you see the dishes in the dish in the sink, or you say, I should put a load of laundry in. And they go, well, how do I deal with this? I said, well, don't fight it. What you need to do is schedule it as part of your day. So if you schedule from 1 to 145, that's when I'm going to do household chores. Then when you go out into the kitchen to get water and you see the dishes in the sink and you start walking over there, go, oh, wait a minute, it's already on my schedule for 1 o'clock. You go get the water, go back to work. So what are some other ideas you have for people, especially engineers who are working on projects and dealing with IMs and, e and emails from them working from home? What are some ideas for them? Uh, a couple ideas that I have is really looking at the environment that you're you're working in. So like you were talking about before, I'm going to go get water because I need water and I'm thirsty, whatever's going on. The question that I would ask is, well, did you bring water with you when you first sat down to drink? Is that something super small that we can do in order to eliminate that problem altogether? Are you keeping a, a list? If you know that you're going to be distracted by chores, even having a chore list where it's just a sheet of paper, just says chores at the top of it. As you walk through your house, you just write things down and you can say, hey, I need to I need to wash dishes. I need to vacuum. It can be something that's more public. You could put it on your refrigerator. That way, if you or your spouse catches anything, you can begin to add it to the list. That's kudos for you married people. Go ahead and do that one. It works out great. Um, but also looking at <laughs> where you are working inside of your home. Where is your work location? Is your work current work location subconsciously associated with some other activities? Matthew, what does that mean? Are you working in your bed? Well, guess what else you do in your bed? You sleep in your bed. If you've already subconsciously associated this particular work location with some other activity, when you're in that area, you're going to begin to want to perform the normal operating procedure of that particular area while you're working. So if you're working in your bed, it shouldn't be a surprise if you start getting sleepy. If you're working at a dinner table, it shouldn't be a surprise if you start getting hungry. If you're working in a TV room, it shouldn't be a surprise if you want to turn the TV on. Why? Because they have already been associated with a different type of activity. So my encouragement would be, Find a novel new location inside of your home, something where you can go in and just say this new location is being assigned for work. Make sure that you're able to insulate yourself in it. Make sure it's not in a distracting area where you're going to get affected by all types of noises or, or different types of movement. So it might be a little bit of guesswork. Be, be okay with that. Be okay with, I'm going to try this area out. 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 It's okay. You have to test it out to see how it works. Also looking at natural light. Natural light is a factor in productivity as well. It also helps with some of your eye strain. So if you're having issues where, I mean, mine are gone now, but if you have glasses or you have other types of vision problems, uh, natural light is something that's great as well. Then the main thing that I would say is whatever you think you might need, bring that with you and have it available to you in your work location. Why? Because as you walk through your home, you're going to start seeing those chores. You're going to start seeing, well, hey, I need to wash these baseboards or, oh my goodness, I forgot to go get dog food. And they all guess what? Your brain is already over there. Now you have to loop back around to try and remember where did I start off with? What's going on? And when we really think about that, think about it in a online browser kind of metaphor. As you begin to think of all these new thoughts, you're opening all these new tabs in your head. And guess what? Those tabs are going to be playing in the background of your brain until they've been completed and those tabs are exited out. So what we want to do is try to insulate ourselves so that we can have only one tab open. And that one tab that's open is the work that you're performing. So by having things close to you, so whether you need water, whether you need snacks, whether you need notepads, whether you need a calculator, whatever it may be, trying to keep that close to you eliminates 
not eliminates, but it lessens the probability that these new tabs get opened in your brain as you walk to the refrigerator, as you walk to the pantry, as you walk outside to do whatever you need to do or try to look for something so that you can spend the majority of your focus in the direction that's most beneficial, which is whatever you're working on right then. Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just for referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to MrProductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click the link. A couple of follow-up things I want to uh, piggyback over to you. Number one, the bed is for two things, sleep and sex. So unless your job <laughs> is sex and you're probably not listening to this podcast, stay out of the bed. Uh, if exactly. you have a small <laughs> apartment, you're like, okay, I have a bedroom or I have a studio apartment. Then what you need to do is, find, like Matthew said, find an area that you can dedicate it. If you only have the kitchen table, then what you can do is say, okay, between the hours of 9 and 4, this is my work area. After 4 o'clock, it's the family dinner table, okay? So don't I don't want to hear excuses. You can make this work. Uh, something else you uh, talk about tabs in your head. I love that phrase, by the way. Um, the It's been proven by neuroscience that your brain is going to try to hold on to something until it knows you've recorded it or written down someplace so as soon if that's why matthew talked about writing a list if you listen to my show before you know i'm always talking about creating a list as soon as your brain sees that you have recorded it someplace your brain can let it go freeing up space in your brain if you don't if you just try to try to remember remember your brain only can only remember so many things we don't know how many things you can remember it depends on, on the individual but as soon as you write it down your brain go okay I know that's safe. I don't have to worry about it anymore. So you're actually saving your brain a lot of frustration because now you're letting it go. And so I always tell people, carry a notebook with you or have an app that whenever you have an idea, I got to call Fred, got to uh, weed the garden. I got to go pick up dog food, write it down. And then your brain will go, okay, I don't have to remember that anymore. And it's going to free you, free your, your brain to spend processing power on things that really matter. Exactly. And it's it's interesting that that you bring that up because our brain is our excuse me, our brain is a problem solving device, both consciously and subconsciously. And so what happens is, is when we don't write things down, your brain holds it in your brain, not only because I don't want you to forget it, but also I need this has now become a problem that I need to solve. Now, using a computer analogy again, because I'm an engineer, you've allocated some of your RAM of your brain to this particular task. Well, guess what that does? If the RAM is here on the left-hand side, it can't be on the right-hand side. If I'm trying spending in brain energy trying to remember to do all these 90 things I have to do, well, guess what? That sh- shortens and lessens the amount of RAM that you have to use on whatever your project you're working on. So an easy way to, an easy way to make yourself smarter, write things down. Don't distract yourself. You open up and you're able to use, quote unquote, the full part of your brain. You're able to use 100% of your brain just to use the limitless uh, limitless reference. So when you're able to do both of those things, it will immediately help you to perform better in whatever you're working on because you're using more of your brain, using more of your attention, you're using more of your focus on one particular task, which leads to a higher level of performance because you'll be able to gain insights that you simply will not have the brain capacity to develop if you're trying to work on something and also remember the other 35 things that you have to do. (laughs) I love it. Well, we went over a lot of things today and like I always tell my listener, look it, there's a lot here. 
Don't get overwhelmed. Just pick something that Matthew or I said and go start <laughs> implementing it in my in your life. And once you get that, guess what you can do? You can come back here and pick something else. So don't try to do everything because science is proven. The more you try to do it at the same time, you get frustrated, you get overwhelmed, and you quit. We don't want you to quit. So a lot of information here. But what we're going to do now, Matthew, is we're going to switch over and we're going to switch positions. We're going to let you be, I say we, like like I've got a whole group of people here. I'm going to let you be the host of the Mark Stucheski podcast. You can ask me any question you want, except for my social security number and credit card numbers. Um, you know, it doesn't be for productivity. You can ask me my favorite dessert, my favorite color, whatever. Uh, the show's yours. One to three questions. Go. Gotcha. So first question is, what has been the pivot point in your life that has brought you to this like this station in your life? What has been the biggest thing that was like, hey, I was this way up until this point, then something happened and now I am this way that's led me to here? Getting fired. In July 2005, I was fired from my corporate job as an inventory control coordinator at a local hospital. And I wonder, had I not gotten fired from that job, would I still be there? Would I have the Mark Stuchowski podcast? Would I be a productivity coach? I don't know. So at the time I was angry, but now I am so thankful that mama bird kicked me out of the nest because I wasn't meant to do that. I love what I do. I, I, I tell this all the time on social media. Every morning is like Christmas morning. Every morning is a gift. Who am I going to, who am I going to meet? What am I going to learn? What experience am I going to, so I love every day and I have to thank being fired back in 2005 for that. That's interesting. It's interesting. All right. Second question. What is your biggest indicator of success? You look at your success and you say, this particular thing, whenever I do this, I end up successful. What is that particular thing for you? Happiness. Gotcha. That, that's as simple as it gets. I, I'm not into metrics as much, how many downloads, how many followers, how many views, how many shares, how many comments, how many clients, you know, how much money. I'm in, am I happy? I know people who don't make a lot of money and are very happy. I know people who make a lot of money are miserable. And so for me, the key metric in my life, personally and professionally, is happiness. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, last question I have. We're going to be putting Mark on a deserted island. You can bring one book with you. What book are you bringing? Oh, not, and don't even have to think about this. It would be the Bible because it's got the answer to everything you need to know about life. Uh, back in 2000, I think it was August 2016, I listened to a podcast. I think it was Michael Hyatt's podcast. And he says he reads the Bible every day, every year, cover to cover. And since I've been doing that, my wife says I'm a different person. And the thing is, you don't even have to be a Christian to read the Bible. It just has mm -hmm. so much knowledge. And so I read it through every year. And so that, not even a second guess, wouldn't have to think about that. So it would be the Bible. What would be yours, by the way? Mine would be the Bible as well. And when I was asking the question, I was like, I should have said, accept the Bible. But <laughs> so the, what? All right. One more question. I promise I'll turn it back over to you. After that, so after the Bible, what would be your second book? I know it's a big gap between first and second, but what would you be your second one? Wow, I'm an avid reader, and I've read so many stellar books. Um, hmm. 
my goodness, just one book. I, I'm going. This is an oldie but a goodie. 1937. You know what book I'm talking about? Uh, Think and Grow Rich. That okay. So interestingly, I was thinking about the answer. I was like, that's probably going to be mine too. So yeah, I agree yeah, with it's, you. I, I'm actually. <laughs> that's a book everybody should read every year. It's a very short book. Everybody should read it. It's got so much information in there. But here's the thing: the title is called Think and Grow Rich, but that's kind of like incorrect. It's Think, Go Do, and Get Rich. And so they didn't want to call it Think, Do, and Grow Rich. But if you read the book, then you know it's not like the secret where I'm thinking about wealth and you get money. It's Think, Go Do, in other words, go serve people, then get rich. So I love that book. So Matthew, this is, I'm so glad we finally had this conversation. Where can people go find out more about you and how you're helping all these nerdy people known as engineers? <laughs> so the best place to find me is at my website, matthewgaddy.com, or you can interact with me on LinkedIn. Just search Matthew Gaddy. You'll see my face there. I'm standing in front of the Texas Capitol building. So if you see the Texas Capitol building, that's me. And I'd love to interact with you. Send me a DM. I'd love to uh, talk to you and help you out in any way I can. Excellent. Matthew, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I had fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.